Does manual treasury management and operations have your crypto business stuck in the slow lane? Scale up and speed ahead with Fireblocks, the number one platform for crypto operations and trading pros that makes custody, settlement, and rebalancing quick and easy. Visit fireblocks.com to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Coinbase Prime, an integrated solution that provides institutional investors with an advanced trading platform, secure custody, and prime services to manage all of their crypto assets in one place. Futuristic companies like Tesla and MicroStrategy have used Coinbase's comprehensive investing platform to execute some of the largest trades in the industry. Learn more by visiting coinbase.com prime to get started today. Eager to make more informed decisions around crypto using data you can trust, Chainalysis demystifies cryptocurrency by providing industry-leading compliance, market intelligence, and investigation support for all crypto assets for organizations like Gemini, Crypto.com, and BlockFi. Maximize your potential with the leading blockchain data platform by visiting Chainalysis.com now. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Scoop. I'm your host, Frank Chaparro, Director of News at The Block. I'm glad that I'm here. I'm glad that I made it. I just got off the road. I was driving for about two hours and I, I swerved over. I almost hit a turtle. That could have been problematic. I, I've never um, thought about turtles when driving, but now I'm constantly going to be concerned about that. On the other side of the mic, who's also here safe with us, Josh Goldbard, founder of MobileCoin, the native token of the Signal app. Josh, thanks for joining us. Frank, I'm delighted to be here. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's definitely a project that we um, have been looking at a lot. Obviously, Signal is an important application in crypto and beyond. And just the idea of sort of different messaging apps getting into the token game has been something that we've all been following since the heady days of, of the Telegram debacle. Um, to be clear to the listeners, right, there are effectively two different groups that are affiliated. So a lot of what we talk about um, with Josh today will focus on MobileCoin. You have an interesting um, background. You're also a founding partner at a crypto-focused hedge fund called Crypto Lotus. So maybe we'll talk about what you're thinking about the, the broader market as well. But thanks for coming on the show again. Thank you so much. Um, just a, a couple of thoughts here. One of the things that I really love about Signal is that it's a nonprofit. A thing that a lot of people don't know is that Signal is certified for use in the United States Senate and the European Parliament because it's the only open source end-to-end -end encrypted messenger that actually works at scale. There's a lot of end-to-end -end encrypted messengers like WhatsApp, but they're closed source. So you don't actually know what's happening under the hood. This is part of the aesthetic of what we were trying to build with MobileCoin, which is how do you make money that's open source? How do you make end-to-end -end encrypted money where you can see every part of the system so there's no place to hide a back door? And how do we give people the maximum amount of privacy under the law? That's super interesting. So how did it all kind of come to fruition? Did they conjure up this idea and then find you, Josh, to, to get it kickstarted? What's the origin story? Yeah, let me go back to the beginning. I was running uh, Crypto Lotus, 
which is a crypto hedge fund. And at the time, uh, it was 2017, it's one of the first crypto hedge funds. And I was looking at all of the different crypto deals. I basically read every white paper that came out probably from like 2016 to 2018. And I just kept saying to myself, why is there no consumer facing crypto product? There's all this beautiful technology, you know, there's zero knowledge proofs, there's Bitcoin, there's proof of work. There's just a lot of beautiful tech, but none of it feels like something that your grandma could use. None of it feels like something that, you know, a teenager or somebody who's, you know, just in fresh in college is going to use every day. And that's because the crypto products that existed at that time, and even now, they aren't designed for people to use. What people want is they don't want to type a long string of characters in. They want to type a phone number. They don't even want to feel like they're using a cryptocurrency. They just want all the benefits of cryptocurrency. And so that's what we tried to make at MobileCoin. The way that it started is I actually made a joke to a friend of mine. And I said, you know, it would be really good to do a cryptocurrency that is easy to use. And he said, Josh, that sounds like that would be really hard. You probably shouldn't do that. And it was almost like a dare. And I ended up writing the white paper in about 12 hours with some help from friends. I'm a high school dropout, so I don't, I don't have a computer science background. So I had a bunch of really smart computer science friends who helped me kind of put the pieces together because I had this general idea of what would make a good cryptocurrency. You want it to be fast. You want it to be easy to use. You want it to work on a cell phone. And so I showed this white paper to a bunch of investors and ended up with $30 million. And, you know, I've never hired an engineer in my life. I've never built software on the engineering side. I've been a PM. And so I basically just went to my friends and said, hey, I need help. And I happened to have the right people around me to get this thing started. Uh, Toby Segerin was our first engineering manager. Toby was a friend of mine, but he happened to be a search infrastructure engineer at Google and then the director of ad engineering at Reddit. And I convinced him to leave his pre-IPO job at Reddit to come work at MobileCoin. And so that's kind of how the whole thing got started. Basically, over the course of three years, what we built is something that lets you send a transaction in five seconds or less with end-to-end -end encryption on a cell phone. And all those parts, the, the speed, the encryption, working on a cell phone, all those things are hard. And working in conjunction with Signal, we actually have the ability now where you can throw your phone in a lake and you can get a new phone and type your PIN in and get your money back. So everybody you know has lost money on Bitcoin, right? Like every, there's so many people who just have lost Bitcoins. Everyone's afraid of boating accidents, Josh. Yeah. You don't want to get in a boating accident. You lose all your crypto. And now it's a lot harder to do that. You get a new phone, your money's still there. Well, you could still get into the boating accident. But... Sure, sure. But it's, but it's harder to lose your money is my point. <laughs> so you also, I mean, you convinced a, a lot of interesting people to invest. You, you convinced a lot of people to back you. I think the new chief product officer was the CTO of Square from 2010 to 2014, Bob Lee. How'd you convince him? Bob is the founding CTO at Square, and he was also engineer number 12 on Android. And what he built at Square was like a lot of their infrastructure, but also the Cash App. He was the only engineer on Cash App for a significant period of time. There were a lot of people internal to the organization who thought it was just you know a side project. And it, it, it actually dominates revenue for Square now. It's one of the like biggest products that they have, arguably the entire business at this point. And so why, does, why is Bob here? Why is Bob working on MobileCoin? And the answer is, we're making the global cash app. All these apps, PayPal, Venmo, cash app, they're largely restricted to one geography. There's no real international penetration. And that's because the design of the systems that they've made 
are hard custodial. What that means is that they have to take control of your money. They're not designed for Web3. The beauty of Web3 is that these products are non-custodial. So they have a very different regulatory relationship with the movement of money. So why can't you leverage a different coin to execute on something like this? If you're thinking about encryption or, or rather privacy, there are coins like Zcash or Monero. If you're thinking about global, um, a, a global presence with, with widespread adoption, you might think of Bitcoin. Why do you need to sort of recreate something? Well, let me ask you, like, you've used Zcash. Mm -hmm. Have you used MobileCoin? Do you know, like, have you tried the two products? No, I, I guess the MobileCoin experience, you're going to, what you're going to say is it's a bit more easy, simplified. Well, I mean, it, it's just what's, what's the experience, right? The experience on MobileCoin is you open an app, you hit a button with a phone number, and five seconds later, the money is in somebody else's hands. There's nothing that feels like that with end-to-end -end encryption. There are lots of currencies that are trying to do this, but they haven't made the technology choices that MobileCoin has made. And you know, just to be frank, Signal has been very vocal that if other cryptocurrencies want to do what MobileCoin has done, they can go into the app. And that is very fast, carbon negative, works on mobile and end-to-end -end encrypted. But that's a hard feature set to deliver. Yeah, it's definitely not easy. I was visiting my family yesterday. I was talking to my 13-year-old brother and he was um, lambasting me for owning NFTs because of the environmental impact, saying that he can't get into it. He goes, once you find something carbon neutral for me, I'll uh, check it out. We are carbon negative. Yeah, there you go. You know, we calculated how much energy usage the network has and we basically just bought 10 times the renewable energy of what we what we burn in carbon. So what about some stats if, if listeners are trying to think about the, the growth of this thing or the degree to which it's been um, adopted, what, what stats are there that you can share? Obviously, Signal is a large user base. Uh, it's one of the largest messaging apps in the world. We design mobile coins so that we actually have no idea who is sending or receiving money at any time. So we don't have stats of who's using the network or when or how. We don't have any idea how many people are actually using the network. I can tell you that we've had incredible transaction growth in the roughly eight weeks that we've been live at this point. But I can't tell you if that's, you know, one person sending transactions or, you know, a hundred thousand people sending transactions. It could just be you. Could be. <laughs> yeah. We, we have no idea. So um, you guys went out and, and raised some, some capital in a recent fundraise lined up. I think Alameda, you guys got Block Tower, Coinbase Ventures, General Catalyst. Is one of your earlier backers in this environment? You know, we're all thinking about this really frothy, crazy fundraising environment right now in crypto. What was it like from the pr perspective of being the founder raising money in this environment? It is such a feeling raising money in cryptocurrency right now. As with all financing, it basically comes down to finding a lead who believes in the company, and. At this point, if you have a lead, then the rest of the round closes very quickly. And so it's finding somebody who just really believes in what you're doing. And why do people believe in cryptocurrency in general? I think the answer is that we want a more transparent financial system. At a very high level, that's what crypto represents, is the possibility that we can have a financial system where when people want to disclose what they're doing, they can show it. And that has never been the case in terms of the way the world functions. 
even in MobileCoin, what we've built is an end-to-end -end encrypted blockchain, but I can publicly prove that a transaction took place. And that is just wildly different. We're never going to go back to a financial system that doesn't have that characteristic. So I think that's the reason that there's so much intention, so much energy going into cryptocurrency. What I can say about raising money in this market is that the set of investors that are in cryptocurrency now are incredibly sophisticated. We're seeing some of the largest growth funds in the world. We're seeing some of the sovereign wealth funds come in. This is a point where the gas is being applied. This isn't slowing down, it's accelerating. And if you're in the game, if you're a cryptocurrency company that is raising money now, it's an incredibly exciting time. I would argue that this is the hottest market that I've ever seen in financing, full stop. It's probably also putting a bit of a flame under the tuchus of a lot of the fintechs and traditional financial services players. I kind of look at it into look at it in three buckets, right? You have the large traditional financial services companies trying to play catch up. You have the fintechs trying to play crypt, catch up with crypto, and then you have the crypto. Um, space all trying to compete for mindshare with one another. When you look at that competitive dynamic, I think it's hard not to see crypto winning. I was yesterday, as a matter of fact, I was trying to, I have like a Citigroup bank account that was going to be a group bank account and there's no money in it, but I wanted to see if I could get some in it because the card is just not as beat up as my Chase debit card. So I was like, let me just move some in. Um, because sometimes my chase one just doesn't work, right? And so I go to set up Zelle to put the money in and get hit with technical difficulties, um, call us. And it's like Zelle was supposed to be their, the, the big sort of the, the savior for the big banks to kind of compete with Venmo and, and the cash apps of the world. And I checked today too, it just doesn't work. So as much as they've tried to compete, the, the thing is, it's, it's really hard to move money. It hasn't gotten easier with technology. It's really, really, really hard. And what that means is that when there's friction in the ability to transverse any communication network, you know, whether it's the internet or banking, there are people who will come and try to alleviate that friction. And what we're seeing now is that wire transfers taking a day is crazy. You know, when you send a wire and it's after five o'clock and it doesn't arrive till the next day, if you're lucky, if you send it internationally, maybe it's three days, maybe it's five. That is just not how the internet works. Money moves at high velocity with people who are trying to get things done. It is completely different to be able to send a transaction in 10 minutes. It's completely different to be able to send a transaction in five seconds where the money clears. Real-time settlement of money moving across networks that just doesn't exist in the regular financial world, except in rare cases where you're on the same payment network, where you and I don't have a relationship with a trusted third party and we can move money. That is a brand new thing that has never existed really in the totality of human history. I guess one interesting parallel would be what, what Apple is doing with Apple Pay, right? Merging together the ability to send information and money within the same medium but you don't have that encryption aspect. And you trust Apple. And you trust Apple. But do you think ultimately people are going to trust a centralized entity like Apple over something maybe like Signal? If you're, if you're thinking about folks who are not on that bleeding edge, right? They've used these products for a while and they're comfortable with them. 
mobile coin is a new entrant. Well, Apple was a new entrant once too. You know, there's a period of time where Apple was the upstart, right? And so I think that it's it's clear to me that what the world wants is very easy, low friction payments. What they want is something that is just incredibly easy to use that works in the apps that they use every day. And from my perspective, privacy is actually a nice to have. Nobody's going to use mobile coin if it's harder to use than Venmo, if it's harder to use than Alipay. But if we make something that is as easy as Apple Pay, as easy as Alipay, as easy as Venmo, and it has better privacy, that is a game we can win. And so we focus on delivering a just beautiful user experience. We want all of our customers, all the people who use our technology to feel like there isn't a cryptocurrency under the hood. They're just moving money. And it's the best payment experience they've ever had. Checkout is in fewer clicks than anything else. The way you use the money is just more comfortable. It's harder to lose your money. There's lower friction in the network. When you move money cross border, it's also instant. These features are things that Apple Pay can't match. These are features that Alipay can't match. In fact, no payment network in the world can. The ability to move money cross border in five seconds or less with real-time settlement and have end-to-end encryption that is completely different than what exists right now. So my feeling is that if we can make the on-ramps and the off-ramps really smooth, if we can continue to make the user experience better all the time, this is a truly differentiated payment product. And there hasn't been one of those in a generation. So how's the experience? It, I imagine it's, it's incredibly seamless to transfer money in the same way that it's seamless to just send a signal message. But how is the engagement or connection with point of sale systems. Do you have signal on your phone? Yeah. Open signal. Okay. Go to the settings menu. Okay, settings, FC. And hit payments. And there should be a payments button. Payments, beta. Is that what this is, the beta? Yeah, so so hit activate. Activate payments. And there's some terms and you hit activate. Okay. Now you have a mobile coin wallet. Okay, so here's my wallet. There it is. Yep. So you have to go buy some mobile coin. I can use this and pay for it anywhere that I could use Apple Pay? You can send money to anybody in Signal right now. And we're working on integration with point of sale. We're working on integration on web checkout. You have end-to-end encrypted money in five seconds or less that you can send to any phone number right now. Soon, you'll be able to check out on any website. Soon, you'll be able to integrate it into any app. We have an iOS and an Android SDK. We're working on partnerships all over the world right now. So what does that, that process look like? That's what you're in the thick of right now. So we have a new payment network and people are always asking, you know, what, what is interesting about this payment network? Why is it worth me integrating? And there are a ton of financial technology companies, or rather I should say, there are a ton of social networks and event applications that want all of the, the benefit of being a fintech without taking on the regulatory burden. Mm-hmm. And so what we offer is a wallet inside of your app that you don't have fintech liability for. This is non-custodial. You are not responsible for the transactions that happen because you are not in the flow of customer funds. And this is completely different than PayPal. It's completely different than Venmo. It's different than any other payment network that has ever existed. Because of the fact that it's non-custodial, the people who operate these apps are not in the flow of funds. And so they can give their customers a payment experience in their app without incurring all of the burden of being a fintech. 
I imagine the the separation between mobile coin and signal is also a value add. I, I you were in the space back when all the telegram craziness went down and the SEC came down hard on them for doing that initial coin offering and, and launching uh, well what were they called grams I think trip down memory lane. Is there less of a concern that there's an issue here because of that bifurcation? So I think the biggest thing that makes mobile coin okay in the world is that we have been studious about following the law at every turn. We have a huge compliance program. We make sure that we understand the regulations and we've designed a product that fits into the context of society. That goes with the design of how we sold the currency. That goes with the design of how we minted the currency. We have actually perfect KYC AML for every piece of mobile coin that we've ever sold. And that's completely different than many other cryptocurrency platforms. We know all of our customers right now. Anytime you move in and out of mobile coin and you work with a mobile coin institution, we know who you are. When you're moving money inside of apps that have used mobile coin that are non-custodial, they don't have those fintech reporting obligations. We do, and all the regulated exchanges do as well. And so we take a lot of pride in the fact that we have a huge compliance program and we do our best to follow the law, even when it's unclear. Well, that's definitely good because we want want you back on the show. <laughs> totally. Having trouble keeping pace with the crypto boom? When your business is scaling up and your portfolio is growing, you don't want to waste precious time on manual treasury management or settling and rebalancing. Fireblocks can handle that for you with smart, scalable solutions for your crypto business, along with industry-leading security and expertise. They'll take care of the back end so you can focus on the big picture. Visit fireblocks.com to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Coinbase Prime, an integrated solution that provides institutional investors with an advanced trading platform, secure custody, and prime services to manage all their crypto assets in one place. Coinbase Prime fully integrates crypto trading and custody on a single platform and gives clients the best all-in pricing in their network using their proprietary smart order router and algorithmic execution. Futuristic companies like Tesla and MicroStrategy have already used Coinbase's comprehensive investing platform to execute some of the largest trades in the industry. Build a unified investment portfolio with one of the most trusted names in crypto. Learn more by visiting coinbase.com prime to get started today. Are you eager to make more informed decisions around crypto using data you can trust? Chainalysis is here to help. Chainalysis demystifies cryptocurrency by providing industry-leading compliance, market intelligence, and investigation support for all crypto assets for organizations like Gemini, Crypto.com, and BlockFi. Gain unparalleled visibility and maximize your potential with the leading blockchain data platform by visiting Chainalysis.com now. Tell me a little bit about your story. So being an investor in this space early on, you aren't an engineer necessarily by background. You didn't finish high school. Um, what was what was your journey like to, to get to this point? Man, 15, I drop out of high school. 
And I flipped cars basically until I was 18. I'd buy junkers. I'd have friends or mechanics fix them up and I would sell them. That was how I made money. Um, from the time I was 18 till I was 25, I worked in telecom. I just did everything. Uh, I'd have four jobs at once. I'd, I, you know, I'd go and work a retail shift until, you know, eight o'clock, 10 o'clock at night. And I'd go bartend until two, three in the morning. I'd come back at eight o'clock and start another shift. You know, I, I wanted to make money. My father got really sick when I was young and, you know, thank goodness he's still with us. But I think one of my crowning achievements in this life is that I paid my parents mortgage every month since I was 15 years old. It's a lot harder when I was 15. And so I basically did this, um, you know, up until I was like 25, 26, where I lived completely hand to mouth. Uh, you know, every, every paycheck just immediately evaporated. And it wasn't until a few years after I left telecom that a friend of mine said, Hey, Josh, take all the money that you got from your last job in your severance. You've got a little bit of money now. Just throw it into Ethereum. If you lose your money, I'll give it back to you. And I'd, I'd read the Satoshi white paper in 2009. Like I was super early on Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. I just thought, you know, this is not going to exist. This is not a thing that people are going to be excited about. So there I was, it was like 2015, 2016, and I'm still saying the same thing. So I said, you know what? I'm going to do it. I threw all my money into Ethereum. It went from like 40 bucks to 400. Mm -hmm. And I just looked and I said, you know, that is the most money I've ever made in the shortest period of time. I've been living hand to mouth my entire life. And this is the first time I've had any financial independence at all. What is happening here? And so I just dove headfirst into it. And I looked at it and I said, you know, this is a real change. This is a real change in society. It's a way, a, a change of the way finance functions. It's a change in the way that the world is going to function. This is a tidal wave. And I just got behind it. And so I basically begged my friends for money and started a hedge fund. Um, you know, again, I don't have any reason to be running a hedge fund at this time. Uh, I literally just begged a whole bunch of people and very few people actually gave me money. And that fund did very well because it was early. And, you know, frankly, we didn't know what we were doing. We just knew that Bitcoin and cryptocurrency was going to be big. And this is why when you talk to a lot of investors, what they say is invest in a hot sector, invest in an industry that is growing rapidly because you can make a lot of mistakes and still make money. And so I think that that is an important thing to think about is that investing in high growth areas is the way that you make money, full stop. So I, I basically, I've been very lucky, very, very lucky in my life. And be early. That helps. Yeah. Well, you know, listen, listen when people are telling you stuff, like I'm sure almost all the people on this podcast who are listening right now had somebody tell them about Bitcoin before they did anything with it, right? First time somebody told me about Bitcoin is nine cents. It's nine cents. I had people just yelling at me about Bitcoin like every year from nine cents up. I had a friend who like took me for a walk in like 2011 or 2012 and said, Josh, I don't want you to not be a part of the future. You have to put your money into Bitcoin. I will feel bad for you. If you like set up a Bitcoin wallet, I will give you Bitcoins. And I didn't even do it. I didn't even do it. I bet that guy's sitting pretty. It's, it's interesting as a reporter, you know, experiencing a lot of these different trends within the space pop up and then sometimes subside. You know, it's easy to write a lot of it off because it does seem so bizarre. But oftentimes it's those, the, the, those most crazy things that end up taking off. Even, you know, from meme coins to NFTs, even a year ago, a lot of this stuff seemed outrageous. You only know what's real in retrospect. Like every industry, like look back at the dot-coms, right? 
it was hard to tell Lycos from Google in the beginning. It was hard to tell Hotwire from Google. But when the dust settles, there's no question that Google is the unquestioned leader in search. But if you're in the thick of it, if you're a VC investing at that time, unless you're really paying attention, you really do diligence, you actually can't tell the difference between Hotwire and Google. A casual observer will say they're both search engines. If you talk to Larry and Sergey and you're like, wow, these are two of the most brilliant distributed computing engineers that I've ever talked to in my life, that's a different conversation than they both do search. Why did Google do search? Because that was the thing they could make the most money with their crazy distributed computing product. It wasn't because they were like really excited about search as a problem. It was because this is the thing that they could apply their technology to. Why does MobileCoin do payments? It's because we've built technology for an oblivious internet. And this is the most obvious first problem to apply it to. We build technology to help have an end-to-end -end encrypted internet. We work on that layer of basically taking the way that people communicate now, the way that we communicate information, and applying encryption to it at every level. Do you think there's anyone who's not oblivious or rather who's the least oblivious? You have all sorts of different players. I alluded to it earlier, trying to kind of embark on a similar journey, whether they're coming from it from the social side or from the financial side. Everyone wants to support easy payments. Even, I mean, even Walmart. Yeah. I walked into Walmart the other day and they had, it was a massive Walmart down here in Florida and it's all a bunch of tax professionals, right? They have their Walmart pay. Um, so you go in there, you get your taxes done, <laughs> then you have money and you can go buy more stuff or you could get your Walmart pay and use it for, for Walmart. So I, I'm sure they would also love to have a coin that, you know, lives within their own ecosystem to like reinforce that, that relationship. But who do you think gets there first from all of those different groups? I think at a high level, if you are building technology, you're not going to be successful in getting people to use it. If you're building products, if you're taking technology and you're wrapping it in a way that you can imagine yourself and people you know using every day, that's completely different than making tech. You can write the best white papers. You can have insanely beautiful algorithms. If you're not making products, people aren't going to use it. So that, I think that's my biggest criticism of the entire cryptocurrency industry is that there's so much beautiful tech and there aren't products. There aren't easy things for people to use. And it's hard to take technology and package it up into something that's easy to use. That is one of the most difficult things in this life. It's actually much easier to just make beautiful technology than it is to design products. So that's my biggest critique of cryptocurrency. It's my biggest critique of, of companies in general is that they're not solving problems. They're not create, they're, they're often solutions in search of a problem. They're not saying, what do people want to do? They want to have easy commerce. They want to have frictionless commerce. How do we solve frictionless commerce? Forget the technology. How do we solve that problem for people? And then you get the technologies from trying to solve that problem. Yeah. And make the product easy to use and enjoyable. Yeah. I mean, it's great technology feels like magic. If you look at the way the best products in the world work, you don't know what database they're running. You don't care. You don't know what JavaScript library they're running. All you care is that it feels easy to use. How many people in the world will be able to tell you what tech stack Facebook is running on? But how many people in the world use Facebook every day? Because it's easy to use. You have to make products that are easy to use. So what is the 
future look like? Like if we're, if we're thinking about the next six months for MobileCoin, what should we expect? So we're incredibly excited to have Bob Lee here. Bob, again, is the founding CTO at Square. He's the person who made Cash App. What we're building is the global Cash App. The global Cash App allows you to move money in and out at the velocity of the internet. This means that you can load money in with a credit or debit card, your bank account, other cryptocurrencies. You can get money out either as mobile coin or as the cryptocurrency of your choice or money into your bank account. And we're going to make that as low friction and as low cost as possible for all the participants in the ecosystem. What we want to make here is the last payment rail. What makes it the last payment rail is that it's the lowest friction, highest privacy, easiest to use payment technology ever made. When a lot of people think about Cash App who are listening, they don't just think of Bitcoin buy sells that they support or the ability to send dollars to their friends. But you can also do stocks and there's other like financial applications. Do you guys see yourself expanding into that so that there are other, you can kind of access the totality of your finances, which I think a lot of these plays are trying to do. I think if you were looking at like, what is the long-term vision for mobile coin? The answer is, how do we make something that feels like what Ant Financial has done in China without a trusted third party? How do we help you manage your financial life? How do we help you send money? How do we help you save money? How do we help you plan for the future? How do we do all of those things with no trusted third party except the ones you choose? That's something that I think the world frankly needs. And it's something that doesn't exist at all right now. There's nothing that feels like that. Because it's hard to make. It's hard to make things that feel like that that are non-custodial. What's the like customer acquisition plays you think you can make to go beyond maybe just the signal base? So we just announced our roadmap yesterday for the next six months. Uh, the thing that I'm most excited about is the ability to directly tip people. So you will be able to, with the click of a button mm -hmm. in a web browser, inside your favorite mobile app, your favorite chat app, you know, on Twitch, in TikTok, you'll be able to instantly pay people. You can just send them, you know, a small amount of money. You'll be able to load money with a credit or debit card to do that top up inflow. And you're going to be able to do all of that this year. Wow. What have been some of the biggest impediments or challenges to getting to this point? Okay. So if I knew how hard this tech stack was going to be to build, I would not have started this thing. This has been the single hardest project of any kind that I've ever done in my life. Uh, this is, you know, a hundred hours a week for the last four plus years for me. And why is it hard? I think that I just totally didn't understand what goes into not just making a cryptocurrency product, but making one that has end to end encryption. So cryptocurrency by itself is hard enough. You know, there's a lot of cryptography, there's a lot of distributed systems. The mix of cryptography and distributed systems is insanely difficult to recruit for. Those are two of the hardest engineering positions to recruit for in all of computer science. The set of people who have both understanding of like how to do encryption and also like keep a big system online, those people just don't exist. And if they do, they're working at Google and getting paid, you know, 10, 20 million dollars a year. It is one of the hardest sets of skills to recruit for. I mean, we ended up actually having to teach a lot of people who work here how to do cryptography or how to do distributed systems because they have one skill set, but not the other one. And so the biggest thing that I've struggled with, frankly, is just how mammoth the problem is, how big the problem is. It appears from the outside that, you know, cryptocurrency just works. Under the hood, 
there's just blood, sweat, and tears of people beating their heads in some of the hardest problems that I think any computer scientist has ever faced. It's just a mammoth amount of data. It is distributed systems, cryptography, making beautiful user experience, all these things together in one. It's extremely difficult. I think it is one of the hardest computer science problems that anybody could be working on right now. So how do you find these, these guys to work on it? You know, uh, step one is get lucky. You know, recruiting is hard enough for me. I can't even find writers, which is not it's not encrypting things. Yes, <laughs> step one is to be lucky. Like, like there, there's something in this life about trying to increase your luck surface area. You know, you try to hang out with people who are interesting. You try to you know talk about things that are interesting. You try to have conversations that help people to understand what your values are in this world. And sometimes, really smart people will come and make a bet with you that they're going to try and do something crazy. And I think that that is the thing that you are trying to optimize for is how do you increase your luck surface area, the opportunity for you to get lucky. And I think that in MobileCoin, we've done a good job of just trying to recruit people who are really smart and then asking them, who are the five smartest people you've ever worked with? And that's basically the entire recruiting strategy right now. We have an incredible recruiter. Her name is Jenny Lee. Uh, Jenny used to be the head of recruiting at Citadel and SoftBank. Citadel is you know, one of the largest hedge funds in the world. SoftBank is one of the largest venture funds in the world. Jenny is amazing. Uh, she works tirelessly to build our team out. And she is so good at finding the right candidates at the moment we need them. Well, shout out to Jenny. Thanks for, uh, thanks for putting in the hours. Um, we have so many incredible people here. Like Our company is the story of the people that we have. We have incredible talent. Sarah, who's our chief technical officer, she made the water in Moana, which is one of the biggest procedural geometry challenges that has ever existed in animation. Uh, she also was a fluid dynamics modeling person at SpaceX prior to joining MobileCoin. She is just an incredible person who's our CTO. Uh, we, we just have incredible talent all the way up and down. Um, just to name a couple people, Chris Beck, who works for us, who invented Fog. Fog is a piece of technology that allows organizations that are service providers in MobileCoin to store your transactions without knowing what they are. And so Chris, before he came to us, was arguably the lead compiler engineer at Tesla for self-driving. And he got his PhD from Caltech in pure math when he was like 22. And so these are the kind of people who work in MobileCoin. James Cape, who works for us, uh, if you ever read the book Flash Boys, Flash Boys mm -hmm. is about you know high-speed training and IEX. And James was one of the like core engineers at IEX. And he works for us leading consensus. He works on some of the hardest problems that we have at this company. What I will say over and over again is what makes MobileCoin special is not the technology. It's not our partnerships. It's the people. That's really interesting. It's Yeah, I mean, it's challenging. And once you get the right people, though, it makes a huge difference. Well, I want, I really appreciate you coming on the show and breaking all of this down. This, this really flew by. I'm excited to kind of check it out and learn more. Yeah, I was going to say, if I could just close, I want to say thank you so much for having me on this podcast. This has been a blast. The thing that I want to leave people with is that what MobileCoin is doing is building a simple, easy to use payment experience with the maximum amount of privacy that we can deliver under the rule of law. And it's really important that we have compliance because you don't get to have this kind of privacy without having an amazing compliance program. The last thing that I want to say is we are attempting to build the new Bell Labs. We want to have the brightest minds work on the hardest problems. We want to make technology for an oblivious internet. If you're interested in that, if you're excited about working on that level of technical challenge, we want to talk to you. 
It's an amazing work environment. We have amazing benefits. We're hiring like crazy. Well, Josh, I'd like to thank you for joining the show today. Appreciate you taking the time, stopping by the scoop to chat. Where can our listeners learn more about what you guys are working on? Maybe there's some Twitter handles you can plug. Yeah, you can follow us on Twitter at MobileCoin. You can go to MobileCoin.com. We've got a Discord. We've got a Reddit. We have a Signal group. You can find all of this information at MobileCoin.com. Thanks, Josh. Thank you so much. The Scoop will be back with you again with another great guest. Have an awesome day, everyone. All opinions expressed by hosts and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and not necessarily those of the blocks. Podcast guests may have taken positions in the assets or other matters discussed in this podcast. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. For full terms, visit theblockcrypto.com slash terms dash service.